1: House Lights Down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Happy President's Day.
0: <laughs> Stars and Stripes
1: forever. How many presidents can you name?
0: Did you have to memorize all of them? I feel like I school? did. It was like fourth grade were, or something. I think were 40. Uh-huh.
1: When, when we were, them. yeah. I wonder, I, I doubt they make them memorize them now. I just feel like that doesn't happen. But I, I agree wrong.
0: Not with Common Core.
1: They can't. Uh, they that's old school. <laughs> they can't. They can't help them learn about presidents because they don't have school that day. So there's that too. Where <laughs> 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 Hello. How are you doing?
0: Are you asking the audience or asking me?
1: I mean, it could be both.
0: I'm good. I missed you this weekend. You you. I was away.
1: away. I was indeed away. Uh, did a little. Girls, girls trip, meaning myself and my daughters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, had fun. Listened to your sermon online. Joined the online crew. Yeah. I, so you
0: were kind of a Helen Wolf yourself this week.
1: Is that what you would call someone who just listens to the the sermon online? Sure. Just all your listeners.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: When are we going to change the nomenclature? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also don't have a have an outline in front of me, but maybe that was a that's a side post for you.
0: <laughs> it's at the top of the bookshelf if you want to grab it over there. Okay. Top left. And I can stall for time. You're back. You were skiing this weekend. How was skiing? I mean,
1: I was not skiing. I was sitting in a very, very, very crowded ski lodge, like just sitting with my laptop working to make up for the time that I took driving so
0: sexy working snow buddy
1: it is it is um it's just parenthood you just do things for kids mm-hmm. that's kind of what life is. it is the opposite of greed if you want to be less greedy have children <laughs> it's like you automatically have to sacrifice have to sacrifice uh time money time <laughs> <So I've heard. laughs> emotional stability i don't know that's the context that i'm coming with for uh for uh, to the sermon to this topic what mm-hmm. about you what what how are you approaching this topic this topic of greed hmm. this is
0: the second sermon in our series on seven deadly sins so i mentioned in the first sermon that there is an order in the original intent behind the seven deadly sins in sequence. The monks. We're going out of order. Oh, so how did that happen? One of our guest preachers
1: wanted to take number two. To take number two, <laughs> but
0: it didn't work out for that Sunday. So this is the second sermon, but take. What is even the three. point of this? <laughs> the, so, so, so it's lust that's the second one. And someone else on the wanted list. that one. Uh, you'll have to okay. keep listening to to see. So we'll do lust out of order later on.
1: And so it would have been glut. Wait, what's last year? Then gluttony then to lust, lust to greed. greed.
0: Okay. And I, to me, you Arbitrary. could you could think
1: connection points. Yeah,
0: think through various connection points. So greed was the one for for this Sunday, and I confess sloth in relation to thinking the about greed of, of, <laughs> of greed, which which in some ways fits some of the things I was talking about. Where it's well to contrast it with lust, that that's a more of a flagrant uh-huh. sin, even though it has its own complexities to it. Greed, I just kind of felt like, do we have to? Uh-huh. And, and it took yeah. a little bit of energy to get okay. myself psyched up.
1: Huh, interesting. For
0: for a greed sermon and in my flesh, to use the Pauline term. I was just wanting to say, can't we just be okay with, with
1: A little greed. bit of greed. <laughs> but A we little should bit not. of wanting more.
0: So I was trying to be honest with myself sure. about that internal process as I was constructing the sermon and delivering it this past week.
1: Yeah. I mean, it might be a spoiler, but your context of saying, like, it's very easy to criticize other people or to get on your high horse about complaining about this politician or that set of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being greedy and misusing and misappropriating and all of this but then like are you actually in your own heart are you living the mother Teresa life of sacrificing it yeah and and maybe you are actually and i feel like i know people at liberty collingswood who do seem to live out lives of generosity and Mm -hmm. so maybe our listeners um have that but if we interrogate ourselves like me personally i feel like greed is definitely there yes (laughs) So let's, so, say, so okay, so you were slothful and didn't, you weren't energized by this concept, but what was God doing in, in you as you had to grapple with it?
0: The Lord was taking me to First Timothy 6. Okay, let's jump in. Praise the Lord. It's a good sermon passage, a bit of scriptures to, to think through the, the danger of greed. So it's the end of the passage that is most famous, Paul writes to Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> You're getting all like, I don't know. It, that It does feel, sometimes when you talk about greed, I think that if you do take it at like just a conceptual level, you can get into the like I it it just feels like the villain the villain in the, the Marvel movie or the uh I, I don't know even the reality shows, the Scrooge competition McDuck. ones that I yeah, Scrooge, um McDuck or the other Scrooge. Um mm-hmm. the it's a Oh, there was another Scrooge? <laughs> the The concept can kind of get cartoony, I yeah. guess, if we're we're talking in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway.
0: But I think that that illustrates the importance of having a, both a clear eye about the creep of greed, mm-hmm. where it can insinuate itself into our lives and hearts in ways that are sinful, that are dishonoring to God, damaging to ourselves. But it's also a tricky balance. I mentioned in the sermon that. Paul doesn't say money is the root of all evil, the, love of the money. Phrase, but the love of money, but such a fine line. Mm-hmm. So you can, it's easy to fall off the wagon in either direction where just say any type of acquisition is tantamount to acquisitiveness or mm-hmm. avarice. And so if you have anything, that means you're greedy, but then it's so easy to write ourselves a free pass where can't be greedy because i don't have a ton of money or i Mm -hmm. can't be greedy because i don't have a ton of stuff or it's not that big of a deal and i i see a lot of other people that are much greedier Mm -hmm. than i am and we say that that we're fine but but we're not Mm -hmm. and you can have a lot or a little but have this greediness the avarice the the love of money or in the words of pat riley your favorite basketball coach the disease of more mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it does it's a very everyday sin that colors and affects a ton of what we do and and don't let yourself off the hook too easy when it comes to this there's the Fred, if i mentioned in podcast before Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter the eye of right. the needle than mm-hmm. enter the, go through the eye of the needle and enter the kingdom of heaven. And mm-hmm. you've heard me saying that I've heard interpretations say the eye of the needle is not simply a metaphor, but an actual gate that camels had to Cross. squeeze through a little bit, yep. but it actually wasn't that hard. So Jesus is saying that it's not that hard oh, in actuality. I, yeah. to, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you can say, well, it is possible therefore it can't be that hard to mm-hmm. have riches and enter the kingdom of heaven when rich people excuse their own greed uh, but then on the other hand it's not an absolute impossibility on the other hand so we're trying to keep those balances money's not evil craving it is where do we find on either, find ourselves on uh, either side of that line
1: right and i, I would want to talk about or unpack the like rich versus poor and there there is it, it does seem easier for someone who is rich to have to, or to be able to fall prey to the idea of greed. Yeah. Simply because when you are in a situation where you are financially struggling, it, the, the pressure is different mm-hmm. when it's like a matter of survival or providing for a family. Yeah. It, it, so like the excuses that we make can actually be, genuine kind of like I don't know like maybe the parallels righteous anger or something mm-hmm. where there's like reasons mm-hmm. to be actually talk about that this week anger? with
0: the anger survey. Right.
1: Um but with greed I think that desiring money for for like purposes of you know having your kids be able to pay for college that's in my brain. Um Yeah. Uh those are those are not in themselves. I guess it's just like food too or gluttony or any of these yeah. thi- things that we're talking about where there's, it is complicated. I don't want to give us excuses because I definitely mm-hmm. personally feel like convicted about the idea of yeah. greed, but just as that caveat that it's complicated or yeah. it can be complicated. It's,
0: it's tricky and it's slippery. So I, I did try to give a little bit of a caveat, which Paul gives in the same passage, but mm-hmm. if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Right. So... Paul would affirm that having basic necessities is important. And I'm a suburban preacher preaching in a suburban context. I'm at least aware of the fact that a sermon like this can come across as deeply privileged in different ways. Or, Or another counterexample, a few years ago there was a statistic that came out that demonstrated that poor people spend more, a higher percentage of their income on clothes and cars Mm -hmm. than rich people do. And I've heard a couple of pastors kind of criticize poor people for being ostentatious. Uh, To me, that's a privileged take in a bad way where there's a lot of other factors and considerations Mm -hmm. that go into that. And I've heard, I saw other pastors say, well, if you understand what it's like to have little, Mm -hmm. which obviously this preacher did not. Right. Then there is there is a healthy sense of self and pride that goes into saying, "Hey, we don't have a lot, but we're not gonna just because we're poor. It doesn't mean we need to dress like bums." Type mm, of thing. Mm-hmm. So so, so there is a healthy image, self image that's associated with, yeah, we don't have a ton of money, but we're not gonna skimp on clothes, and we're mm-hmm. not gonna drive the worst car in town because. We respect ourselves, so mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of different ways to come at this, and a lot of different pitfalls in preaching a sermon about it too. Sure, I'm not saying that I threaded all of those eyes of the needle like the perfect felt camel, but I'm <laughs> but I'm at least aware of some of those dangers.
1: Sure, did you find the passage as it pertained to this like challenging in the same way, or were there other particular like challenges as you approached it?
0: Not as much with the sermon text, but wanting to hit the right notes and the right balance was was a, it was challenge. a
1: challenge. Sure, cool. So we move on to mudding the do waters. It. It's kind of the same things. Yeah. Then, so um, what are the specific things you're thinking about as you construct this sermon for us? Yeah,
0: some some sermons are difficult to find ways to speak to both Christians and non Christians, and how. a certain gospel truth or Bible passage affects Christians and non-Christians can be pretty different. And so Christians are going, yes, yes, yes. Non-Christians are going, no, 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 or vice versa. This is one of those sermons where I didn't feel like I had to work hard to draw commonalities. Because because again, it's all over. Everybody's greedy. Yeah. And we all struggle with this. So fiction,
1: reality, Twitter. Yes.
0: (laughs) Everywhere. And Another balance that I was trying to explore in the sermon at a couple different points was not just love of money is the root of all evil, not money is the root of all evil. Kind of how we bounce back and forth in our own mental spaces about how yes, greed for me personally is a problem, but then on the other hand, it's no big deal. So mm. uh, healthy, normal, and good versus horrible. No good and bad at the same time. And so yeah. Again, to take take another pass through it, everybody would say that money's a problem and right. that we obsess about money too much. But then with those same hearts and same words, we'll be very apt to give ourselves personally free passes when it comes to saying, Well, my greed is okay and normal and healthy whereas yours might might not be so So what's
1: the takeaway what's the what's the message that you can get to get to people to help us to move from the easy yeah greed's bad yeah maybe i have a little to like actual conviction and moving forward
0: creation fall redemption and cross so it's the cross of jesus that allows us to take a fuller deeper look at the bad news of ourselves and not try to excuse or say no big deal to sin but then it gives us hope at the same time to say that 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 we can do better and it's Jesus that enables us to confront the base idols of comfort control power affirmation and wanting to avoid fearfulness um, and find a better find a better satisfaction so I Sunday school answer Jesus, but I think there's really something Mm -hmm. to that, something to that here. And then also there's the, the simple tough love of getting ourselves to understand that there's never going to be a point where we have enough and are not greedy. Right. Uh, right. There's the, uh, stat that stayed with me for so many years studying the super rich. And I don't know if you caught when you were doing the sermon rewatch, um, did did you do audio and video or just audio?
1: No, I just did video. I was just lip reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I said that wrong. Uh, <laughs> I did YouTube. It wasn't just, loaded. It just, wasn't launched to the podcaster just yet. Using so, as, as I can, was either. I actually watching you? I don't know. So, uh, probably a mix of uh, like half, half, both watching and listening, and then half I was not actually visually looking. So, were, <laughs> I mean, you missed
0: a lot. You didn't get the, you get the full visual. Uh, but the survey of the super rich done a few years ago where people with over a billion dollars said they won't feel secure unless they have mm-hmm. a quarter more. Right, right. So literally $250 million more until they stop worrying about money. Yeah, so, yeah. But it, but I think we can turn around there and say, well, those rich people are crazy. I'm not asking for $250 million more. I just need a couple thousand more and -hmm. then I'll feel a lot less anxious and freaking out about money all the time. But the reality is even if we genuinely need that couple thousand more, our lives are not going to be easy and joyful all the time. If we just get those a couple more thousand dollars. Yeah. So a little bit more is never going to satisfy us. That's why it's a disease of more truly because Mm -hmm. we're, we're just constantly the, rabbit at the dog track who's always chasing the carrot in front but it's never actually going to get it sure <laughs> you thought about interrogating that illustration yeah. but you just kind of <laughs> let that rabbit go
1: <laughs> any other things you want to say about this constructing the sermon
0: so, so I was going to mention the gospel is a great motivator away from greed we've already touched on that There was a small section in the sermon, too, about a collective application where how does, and this is true of any of the seven deadly sins, uh, if I think a valid criticism of Western majority culture Protestantism is that application can skew individualistic without thinking through Mm -hmm. systemic Mm -hmm. or societal connections. I tried at least to raise the question in the other direction. How does commandments against greed affect governments and businesses? Right, right. Uh, and I think those are important things to think about without having all of the answers. I simply ask the question and name the tensions. So, equity of outcome is a good thing, but then also freedom of self determination is a good thing. Mm-hmm. How, how does a government track that tension? Uh, and then with the business, if we allow that businesses need to be for profit, mm-hmm. and I, that's my personal persuasion, there sure. are people that, that would disagree with that very pre- premise. Although I think for somebody that would be an out-and-out communist or socialist, that doesn't eliminate the importance of the greed question, sure. in my opinion. All that is to say, if... If, if we're dealing with a basically capitalistic model, which many of us would agree with, and which all of us are living under mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in the West, uh, if a business must be for profit, what's the difference between a greedy business and a non-greedy business? Right. Um, and I think those are, those are important questions for business leaders to ask. But that does get to what you mentioned earlier. Um, for those of us that don't that are not, that don't find ourselves with the uh, lovers of systemic change in front of us, we should probably complain about greedy corporations and greedy governments less and practice personal generosity more, mm-hmm. which can seem like an out, an easy out where we're just going back to individual application, but being generous with money as individuals, that is a way to address systemic issues mm-hmm. more, more than nothing. So in the way, as an example, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, when racial issues were front and center for, for so many people, one of the charity organizations that people at Liberty Collins were giving to, I forget if we gave to this as a church, or if it was just individuals, if we made a church gift or not, But at least then, and maybe there still is, an organization that's just a giant clearinghouse for money that you can donate to this fund, and then that fund donates money to poor people with medical bills. Mm -hmm. Um, And so individuals give towards that, but there is a systemic ramification at the local level where you're alleviating medical bills that have a systemic ingredient for Mm -hmm. generational poverty and that sort of thing, too. So these things are connected, even if it's hard to think of a single answer for when is a corporation or a government body greedy. Mm -hmm. But let's at least allow for the fact that it must be the case that sometimes they are.
1: Sure. (laughs) Shocking.
0: (laughs) I I just listened to a recap podcast about the movie Forrest Gump, so... That's all I'll say. Uh, uh, (laughs) Okay.
1: Barband cover tunes. Uh Uh-huh. You had a lot, actually. A couple monks thrown in sports analogies. Pat Riley, who you (laughs) alluded to.
0: Let's remember again that in my early days of preaching and in the early days of our marriage that you told me never to use sports analogies. Oh, so you did. (laughs) Went to monks. You told me never use sports analogies because people that don't like sports just turn off. I didn't say
1: never. I just said, it's annoying.
0: (laughs) I think the truth was somewhere in between. But... Hopefully the sport the it wasn't, the clock was running down. The Pat down Riley one? And uh, it was a sports figure. I wouldn't even call that a sports illustration, really. But hopefully it didn't turn off because I talked about. I feel sports like we're remembering so.
1: this like differently. The but...
0: I, also not the first time. The I I did get correction on that. Ooh, good. Because I said that Pat Riley is the all-time leader in championships.
1: Yeah, not anymore.
0: Uh, I I looked that up on a website on Sunday morning because oh, I wanted to double check, but I think the website was wrong. AI. People mentioned Phil Jackson as somebody uh-huh. that has more than than Pat Riley than Pat Riley through his different coaching stops. Jackson's and with the Bulls, and then with
1: it's probably uh, some like with, subtle difference in what yours. Maybe, used maybe it
0: was Pat Riley has championships as player assistant coach head coach and general manager maybe he has more types of rings from i'm his shocked
1: days. that you didn't get the details right <laughs> I,
0: I do like to get those <laughs> sorts of details right but I, and then you often get them wrong and then i often get them wrong <laughs> it's the life of me is so ga-
1: gambling a seven de- deadly sin i don't think it isn't it's not right i don't gamble i know <laughs> okay let's just say what are you saying is it though this sp- but yeah sports betting betting on That is a,
0: That's an interesting
1: Is it greed? Mm, what?
0: Uh, I think the greed question for sports gambling I think applies more on the systemic side where you have Oh, the corporation the, that
1: is caught, is is generating an, sports bets. It's an
0: exploitative model yeah, arguably probably. where where you're gaming the system on purpose to let people win just enough uh-huh. To set them up to lose big, right? You're so. actually
1: you're using the the greed of human nature, the human human nature quality of wanting more, yeah, and so then I exploiting ha- it.
0: Yes, sorry to cut you off there. No, it's I'd, I would have to, I would have to think more before I'd want to say, on something like a podcast, so publicly or semi publicly. This is publicly. It's not semi <laughs> Sometimes it feels semi public. Uh. The, I, I'd want to think twice before saying. Hey, if anybody is here and that now and then goes on FanDuel and puts a small wager on something mm-hmm. sports related, that that's necessarily a sin. But I think at the same time, the stronger argument can be made to call FanDuel and DraftKings to account for exploitative practices, practices that could align with an idea of corporate sin
1: i'm really confused by like how how many like caveats you're feeling like you need to put on things like that or the corporation thing too like there's just Are you saying, hit...
0: why why not they just say that yeah corporations out
1: of line? can be greedy governments yeah, can be greedy yeah no, i said that okay I, okay i feel like i've
0: okay. said that clearly just... <laughs> corporations and governments can be greedy the question is how when, and where to draw the line
1: yeah okay um at you little other monks, references john cassian mm-hmm. kind of
0: fun how he said hey if a monk gets greedy he's going to start a side hustle <laughs> and try to make <laughs> illicit well, money wrong, off of his monks. handicrafts oh my gosh. that was that was delectable we had john chrysostom saying that when we not to share our own wealth with the poor is theft from the poor mm-hmm. and deprivation of their means of life. Yeah. So so a, a Christian view of collective wealth there is owned by God and we're truly stewards and not owners of wealth that we possess. Therefore, we should be more generous with our money because it's not ours to begin with. Mm-hmm. And B, it deprives people that don't have enough of what is theirs. Sure, And then... Thomas Aquinas saying we put ultimate value in mere stuff, ultimate value in temporal goods. And proof that temporal goods can't carry within themselves ultimate value is the fact that once you get that thing that you're really looking for, it's Mm -hmm. not as good and doesn't deliver the ultimate satisfaction that you think it's going to give you when you're craving it so much. Right. And that was true in the twelve hundreds or whenever when he was writing, or in twenty twenty four when we're Talkin shopping, out. eBaying, Etsying, Amazoning, ogling all the things, in different in different ways. We also had Sophocles, always nice. I to miss have that Sophocles. one. Sophocles, Antigone. There is nothing in the world so demoralizing as money. Sarah Bernhardt. It is by spending oneself that one becomes rich. And then the words of Jesus, Luke twelve. And then it is better, is more blessed to give than to receive. And then the Apostle Paul, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich.
1: No. Yeah. Good stuff. Lots of quotes this week. I guess Lots it, of it does speak to that the fact that I think a lot of people talk about greed.
0: Yeah. And, and um, it's one of those, I mean, eh, let's go to Gu- Guitar Slim Dickens yeah. and I'll. I'll say this, sure. the,
1: the quote that you forgot, <laughs> the quote that I forgot was
0: embarrassing. The
1: that hasn't ever happened. I don't I feel like like where you intended to read something and you looked and it wasn't there like that. That uh, feels it's, like it's never happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's never happened and I haven't or it has happened, but I haven't. Oh, you just haven't called it out. <laughs> like you me, haven't. I haven't called it out, but it was never so late in the ball ballgame that, uh-huh, that you had to I couldn't think on my feet fast enough to. I mean, I would not want to draw attention to that. I think not out of vanity, but yeah, just, just because a it pulls people out of the sermon uh-huh. in ways that would distract them from hearing what I'm trying to say. But
1: Maybe it pulls <clears throat> them out of boredom and into like, though. oh, wait, <laughs> he messed up. What? I'm
0: only human, <laughs> as, as a reminder to people. But, so yeah, so greed, money, my... Sermon files, my quote files, so to speak, on this subject is pretty big. Yep. So I, I, and and that's not the case for every sermon and every topic. Sometimes I'll have to think harder or search harder back through my files to say, hey, what do I have to right to speak on dig up on short notice on this subject? Mm-hmm. Greed, money is is not one of those things. The so so the the quote that I lost was from. Michael Sandel, a philosophy professor at Harvard, talking about commoditization of things. Let me just read it real quick, baby. So a huge change that's unfolded in the past three decades, this is him writing in the 2010s, was not an increase in greed. It was the reach of markets and of market values into spheres of life traditionally governed by non-market norms, saying there is a lot more areas where We now think about them with a monetary angle that we didn't used to. And he names these. The uses of markets to allocate health, education, public safety, national security, criminal justice, environmental protection, recreation, and procreation were for the most part unheard of 30 years ago. So not an all or nothing thing, but much more now than three decades ago when we have conversations about health education, public safety, national security, criminal justice, environmental protection, recreation, procreation, there's a much bigger dollar sign attached to those considerations and Mm -hmm. conversations than there used to be. So what money affects has a much broader scope than it used to have. So greed and money affects more than it used to because money is attached to a lot more things than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think
1: that's, I think that's true. Kind of true. I, like if you look at the decades, sure. But mm-hmm. if you looked like more like centuries, I don't feel like it's totally true. But
0: Okay. You can argue with a Harvard professor.
1: Sure. <laughs> Bring it on.
0: Okay. <laughs> Love it. And then yeah, so so that was that was a quote that I missed. And that's all they have for guitar Slim Pickens unless anything.
1: No one else was complaining about you.
0: you? Well the <laughs> Yeah, there there was the pushback on Pat Riley. But then I do. We do have a Helen Wolf, so okay, should we go go, go there? This is from Helen Wolf Yvonne. Hey, Jim and Emily. As Jim started out the sermon on Sunday and talking about the disease of more in the context of sports, I couldn't help but think of a little show called Ted Lasso. Did you watch? Did we? We, watch we Ted watched
1: Lasso? the first season to, together. Okay. I feel like, and then we both kind of faded. The second, or you faded first, and I was I stayed for a little, yeah. and then I was like, eh.
0: Okay. Which currently has three seasons. My thoughts are from closer to the end of season two and into three. So Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Uh, the character Nate has this interesting character arc from a sweet, shy kit man. He was the equipment manager in uh-huh. season one, who finds recognition under coach Ted Lasso and into a hard-nosed coach that is constantly looking for praise from the media and rich people, mm. while it's indicated... Through the show that Nate's father is constantly disappointed and disinterested in Nate, and the anger he has at Ted last of his redirected anger from his father, his obsession with receiving praise is obvious. Comments that are critical spiral him into self-loathing. There's a lot going on here, but the disease of greed or the disease of more Nate has for praise accolades and being seen as better than others really twists his initially sweet and generous heart after season one. Wanting recognition from a father is not a bad thing, so... Avon, that's the creation horizon, as you yourself would recognize, and it went beyond that. It's a prime example of how non-monetary greed can twist good character beyond recognition. Mm-hmm. So, sure. yeah, and and I have from yeah, I I've come to the realization. So I was listening today um, to a <laughs> series recap of the latest season of True Detective.
1: Oh which, no! Which what?
0: I have not seen, so I've I've totally broken the seal on listening. Oh, to, I do that all the time, though. Reaction pods, uh-huh. with you just things like that. I haven't. And who and was and it? To. Chris so, Andy. So from hearing the <laughs> just a couple of bros from Philadelphia that are it was friends of Chris Andy. The, <laughs> So I haven't seen beyond the first couple of episodes of season two of Ted Lasso, but I am aware of. The yeah. heel turn by Nate and I think Yvonne, you are right on the money yeah. that that it was the disease of more and I mean it, the I forget the name of the team or the town from Ted Lasso, but they had success mm-hmm. and so it, it even fits that aspect of the Pat Riley paradigm. And yeah, he just wanted more for himself, not money strictly speaking, uh, but these other fame Accolades. accolade yep. app- appreciation, which is like the. <laughs> same thing with gluttony if gluttony is food forward but not food exclusive greed is money forward but not money exclusive sure nate although i guess we're already spoiling it i think my understanding and yvonne you can write <laughs> into to post on the blues at gmail.com and let us know but i think nate enjoys a redemption arc by the end of season three, i'm sure as i understand that's it. how it, that's how it, is, sitcoms a, it go. is a happy ending show so uh-huh. there we go <laughs> <laughs>
1: And with that, how was it?
0: That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues or preaching post mortem. Production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. And you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post Sunday blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy.